Now that's what I call high quality a tool. I'm Scuba Sam, Scuba Steve's father. We eat the pig and then together we burn. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Hello and welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Billy Gilmore Show, the Billy Gilmore Podcast, the show for the discerning Adam Sandler fan, the pod for the fan of the Sandman. As always, I am your host, Wilson Smith, and joining me are... Hi, this is Chris Giles. And Austin Colt. And we're very, very excited to be with you for yet another incredible installment in... We never came up with a title for this series. Uh, where, uh, you know... Wait, did we, Austin? You you looked like you... Uh, I I don't have a natural one. I mean, a spade called Spade a Spade. Or... Yeah, that's what we're here. We're here to do. We're here to call a spade a spade. A David Spade, that is. The Spade Capades. I don't know. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, Esca Spades. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about uh, the uh, extended uh, Happy Madison Cinematic Universe. You know, having like Odysseus left our homes, long, the, the the blessed isles of uh, you know Adam Sandler's filmography uh, to wander for years in the wilderness. Uh, you know, in the in the wastes um, of you know these other movies made by. Uh, I'm just kidding. We love these guys. Um, <laughs> David Spade a little more than Rob Schneider, that's for sure. Um, after passing through the Schneiderverse, we are of course uh, you know. Following his film, uh, Spade's filmography, uh, we previously watched Joe Dirt. Uh, we also included him a little bit. You know, if you're a longtime listener, you, you know all this history. But we also, you know, we talked about Chris Farley at the beginning. So there's significant Spade talk there. Um, I believe we didn't do a dedicated episode to The Wrong Missy. So that still remains to be. I know we talked about it when it dropped, but I think it was in the con, like that was like in the news dump, right? right. Yeah. Um, I'm excited so- to revisit that one. Yeah, so that one, that one, I, I mean, maybe you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic, um, but like, in that kind of the beginning of the pandemic, but it was very, um, a very good one, um, from what I recall. But we are not here to discuss Joe Dirt, and we are not here to discuss uh, <laughs> the wrong Missy. We are here today to discuss a film uh, that seems, I learned before the broadcast, uh, a little bit lost to time. Um, it's a little bit like it seems to have slipped through the cracks, uh, uh, the crackles, if you will. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I don't know why, you know, the jokes are flying. The bad jokes are flying fast and furious. No, it's uh, we're, we're here to cover uh, Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser. And uh, I, you know, this is going to be obnoxious, guys, but um, I'm going to insist on calling it a crackle original movie, Joe Dirt 2, uh, Beautiful Loser, because that is the official on-screen title um, there's a critic out there that I that I you know so, like to read sometimes and sometimes like to hate read who is very persnickety about like no the film is called what it says like within the credits like that's what you put it as and uh, so I am honor bound to refer to this movie as a crackle original movie Joe Dirt Two Beautiful Loser a crackle um, original movie Joe Dirt Two Joe Dirt Two a Beautiful Loser co-starring Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray. That's so true that thank you chris <laughs> yes uh we are of course uh yeah we'll get into how we watched this movie uh but first uh we've got to catch up with a little bit of sandler news um let's see uh yeah y'all want to talk about the gotham speech oh right so um so recently the uh the uh, gotham awards were held and um they did a whole tribute um to 
uh, to Adam Sandler, um, the uh, the uh, Sappy brothers, Josh and Benny, um, uh, presented the award and gave um, a very Billy Madison inspired um, sort of intro to Adam Sandler, who of course they um, quite beautifully and famously worked with on Uncut Gems. And um, then, so like you can watch all this on YouTube, by the way, and it's a, a very fun, like 13, 14 minute clip. Uh, first, the Safdie's introduction and then Sandler um, giving a, an acceptance speech um, and his, uh, his framing device, I guess, if, if that's the phrase I wanna use uh, for his acceptance speech is he takes out these pieces of paper and you know, he thanks the audience, he thanks the Safdies and blah, 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 and then proceeds to read his acceptance speech in the guise of a letter, or rather like a speech as written by his daughters, um, um, Sonny and Sadie, uh, and does it in um, his, you know, kind of like Southern sort of, um, uh, not like a Bobby Boucher voice, but just kind of like, just like a Southern dingus kind of voice. Um, and just basically through the through the made up voices of his daughters, you know, just talks about his career and his family and takes some, you know, and takes some pot shots at like like good natured jokes at like critics who only appreciate him for like the serious artsy fartsy movies that he does and um and 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 and, and whatnot. Um he t he t he uh, <laughs> at one point he makes special reference to Big Daddy um and talks about how his daughters only care about it because it's the movie with the cute little boy who grew up to be Dylan and Cole Sprouse. But <laughs> as you girls know, that movie paid for this house and grandma's house and your other grandma's house and Rob Schneider's house. <laughs> and uh, and so <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's Sandler and full on charm mode um, talking about lots of movies from his career, doing all kinds of voices. Um, it's a good old time. And, one, and one more thing I'll mention um, that I appreciated um, when Josh and Benny Safdie are giving their introduction to Sandler. Um, they talk about not only just, you know, growing up with like the classic movies, but they talk about being young, like eight, nine, 10 years old and, and going to, into like a Sam Goody and buying a CD of they're all going to laugh at you and like listening to it on low in their room. So like their dad wouldn't hear it. And, you know, and like, and like you know, like hear like all the dirty content. So taking it back all the way, back to like those years when Sandler was, you know, breaking out as like this, you know, this, <laughs> this, uh, insane comedian, um, I thought was a nice and kind of touching, um, uh, thing, thing, thing to bring up too, because of course, like as, you know, a common theme in some, in so many of our conversations between ourselves, as well as the many friends and guests we've had on the show has been not just like, Oh, I remember being younger and, you know, watching the VHS of Happy Gilmore over and over again. Yes, of course, that's part of it. But also going back even further and how much of like a goldmine those comedy albums were for a lot of us as well. So anyways, if you, you know, if you are a, a fan of Sandler and if you're listening all the way into this run, I'm sure you are. Um, please uh, give that a look. You can go on YouTube, the Gotham Awards Sandler, and it'll probably be there for you. It's a really fun watch. Yeah, I I watched it the the night of. I was just watching the show, uh, just because I'm a award show junkie. Um, and um, the show itself, they did like a clip reel that I guess they've cut out of the version that they uploaded. Um, mm. But it was actually like a really nice clip reel that was. Uh, it started out with I think Meyerowitz stories, Punch Drunk Love, what you would expect out of like, oh, this is that 
award show that what this is what they'll do. And then it really got into actually all of his comedies, which I was like, I was pleased by. And it was bookended by Hustle. Um, so it's a really nice clip reel. I wish they had kept it out there. I'm guessing a lot of rights held by different places to not allow it to go up. But it was a nice, a nice clip reel if you can ever find it. That's cool. Nice. I'm honestly, Chris, you mentioned, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, if you're, you know, if you like Adam Sandler, uh, you know, and then you said like, oh, like if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure I'm now, I'm now thinking about if there's anyone out there who's listened to like every episode of this who hates Adam Sandler. <laughs> like, oh, I hate this man. Like I listen to these idiots talk about this fool. Like, I don't know. But, uh, that's now that I'm going to entertain myself with that for a while. Um, yeah. Other than that. Um, yeah. So that was, that was terrific. It's not, you know, obviously like it's, we love seeing our boy Adam Sandler uh, honored out there uh, even by the, you know, the, the snooty awards types. Um, and yeah. And, you know, we're getting close to the end of the year. I guess we'll see what the, you know, as like award season stuff shakes out. We'll see, uh, you know, if anything shakes out for hustle uh, just in general or for uh, Sandler specifically, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and yeah, uh, the only other thing, Sandler News, I can really think, uh, you know, is that I saw an Instagram reel, um, an Instagram reel with uh, the Miami Heat, like officially from the Miami Heat's like uh, Instagram account. And it was Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider hanging out uh, in the locker room with the players just like talking. Um, and obviously Sandler, you know, adores basketball. We've covered that many, many times. He's been very open about it. Um, but, uh, to me, it just really confirmed, like, and it, Austin, you said that you'd heard he might be, he's like opening for him on tour. Um, but I wasn't sure, like, you know, post grownups too. And the fact that Schneider hasn't been in the wrong Missy aside, like too many, like happy Madison movies lately. And that was a really small role. Um, you know, I guess I always kind of wonder like, you know, are like, are they cool? Are they not cool? Like, you know, what's the deal? And so it's like, okay, like Schneider, like, you know, and I'm not, you know, Schneider's off on off the deep end in a lot of ways, but you know they're pals, so you know good to see that. Good to see that he's still got some uh, some you know some sensible friends you know in his life. Um, yeah, is that uh? I guess that that's we've determined that's it for the Sandler news. Pretty sure, yeah. Um, okay, so it is important to get into to discussing uh, uh the film we've come to discuss today. Um, you know, obviously last time uh we watched. Oh wait, yeah, we didn't even. I forgot we watched our last film wasn't a David Spade film. It was the shortcut. It's been a long time since we watched Joe Dirt. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of minutes since we recorded an episode. Um, don't worry, we did not get lost on the shortcut. Um, but we uh, so uh, a crackle original movie, Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser, um, came about, I guess, just because Sony had a streaming service. And this is 2015. And this is the same year that um, about six months prior to. Uh, the Ridiculous Six coming out on Netflix. And obviously that starts Adam Sandler. You know, so this movie, that starts Adam Sandler's relationship with Netflix, which has obviously flourished to this day. Um, and uh, this movie, Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser, sorry, <laughs> a crackle original movie, Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser. Um, this came out around the same time as Pixels was in theaters. And obviously Pixels famously is the movie that was sort of like the, you know, nail in the coffin of that phase of Sandler as like, you know, reliable box office, like phenomenon. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, Happy Madison obviously had this relationship with Sony for a long, long time. Um, 
they end up moving over to Netflix, obviously, but we get uh, this one crackle film um, that is crack crackle for those of you who don't know, because why would you? Um, it was Sony's attempt at like a streaming platform, which is sort of, you know, I, I, I'm sure there, you know, I, I know there are like Hollywood business types out there who could explain the ins and outs of this or like why it failed, like better or why, why it didn't catch on, you know, way better than me. But like, I don't know. It's like, you don't know, like, it doesn't seem to me that Sony has like a deep, like uh, a deep library of like, like it, they can get make exclusives, but it's like, what do they like? I don't know. What do they have to like? They don't have like a deep TV bench like HBO or. Wasn't, wasn't the big deal with Crackle early on that they were the first streamer to carry Seinfeld? Really? Yeah. Oh, I feel like, I feel like that was their hook. Like maybe? whenever they first launched. Dang. Um, it's, like that seems like 20 years ago now like i know these like early days of streaming <laughs> man yeah. yeah it looks like that was 2013 when they announced that they were going to have seinfeld which <laughs> was scooped up by netflix like what two to three years later uh I, yeah i, I guess exactly because i remember like like the ads of uh of uh netflix you know acquiring seinfeld um but i feel like that was only recent-ish ago, like like last year or the year before, I was seeing like ads for Netflix getting Seinfeld, or maybe that was like they had it for a while and they lost it for a chunk of time. I don't know, man. It's hard to keep track of all this shit like in the weeds. So, so Crackle is still around, You're, yeah. And I guess I was wrong. Sony bought Crackle in two thousand and six. Sony Pictures bought Crackle in two thousand and six. So they just like had it, but obviously, oh six is before like streaming was like a really like major like revenue stream or like major like channel thing. And so um, anyways, you know, in a bid to launch themselves into like the Netflix sphere, you know, they decided to get themselves some original programming. And so in association with Happy Madison, they decided to make a sequel to Joe Dirt. Well, or, you know, they, Happy Madison, you know, whatever, uh, you know, they make a sequel to Joe Dirt and, Apparently, like, as we, I think we mentioned in the episode, it was so long ago, but like Joe Dirt was not a massive hit in theaters, but it was, it did quite well on, you know, home video sales. And apparently someone like over at Sony noticed that like every time it played on like network TV, or I mean, every time it played on cable TV, uh, like Twitter references to it would like be like it would like get, get trending like you know the, just Joe Dirt and like other you know other scenes from the movie like um so people like they realized there was like a, I guess a fan base for it um and so they bring Fred Wolf who you know we've encountered quite a bit in this podcast um he's you know written uh written a lot of uh the, the stuff we've watched uh did he write he wrote Grandma's Boy I think so and okay. directed Strange Wilderness. He directed Strange Wilderness. That's correct. He didn't do. Who did Bucky Larson? Uh, um, I don't feel like it was him, but um, I don't think so either. Um, oh shit! I got a free digital code for Joe Dirt. Oh damn! It expired on April sixteenth. <laughs> Sorry, April twenty sixteen. <laughs> now he also did House Bunny. That was the other. Oh, okay. Well, House Bunny's quite... I think we're going to cover House Bunny. That one's fun. That's cute. Um, so anyways, he was a co-writer with Spade on uh, the original Joe Dirt, and uh, they, uh, you know, did the, they took the same duty. I'm making sure about that. Yes, they took the same duties uh, on this sequel. 
Um, and they brought, you know, most of the band back together with the notable exception, uh, not, uh, I don't mean the band Sugar Ray, I mean the Joe Dirt band. Uh, uh, most of the band, you know, most of the band with one curious omission, um, uh, Kid Rock is not in this movie. And it's not, look, I miss the guy. I don't like Kid Rock. I don't like him as a person. I don't like his music. Um, but like, <sighs> You think he said no? Like, <laughs> it was like, no, I'm I, Kid Rock's too good for a crackle sequel to 14 years later to Joe Dirt. Or like, did they not ask him? Did they have a falling out? Was it a scheduling conflict? I'm not going to look this up. I'm just curious what y'all think happened. Uh, Maybe he was asking for too much money and they're like, oh, hey, hey, we, we don't have so much crackle money to throw around. I don't know. There is a USA Today article titled, Here's Why Kid Rock Isn't in Joe Dirt 2. No, I thought I wasn't going to look it up. All right, yeah, let's let's hear it. Um, Kid Rock was just starting his album and couldn't leave. <laughs> okay. Is that is that a direct quote from the article? Is that like all it says? That's what Spade said, yeah. Okay, okay. no. Okay, well, what a bummer. Well, I'm very glad that Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray was available to take his place in what is damn near like the like a, a like a beer fest type like oh like your your brother like turns out you have a secret twin brother or something like this character is just the kid rock character from the first movie but like played by it's a different character and played by sugar ray and like later the way the timeline of the movie goes the fact that kid rock wouldn't be there makes less and less sense <laughs> um but in, anyways, um, I guess it's, you know, time travel logic. It's not supposed to hold up. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so before we talk about the plot such as it is of this movie, um, I think one of the things that we should, we, we mentioned before we started recording that it kind of amused me is the different ways we watch this movie. Because again, this is a crackle original movie. This is a, this is like their flagship, like, hey, like, don't you want to sign up for an account to Crackle? That's the only way you're going to get to watch the sequel to Joe Dirt. Um, and yet, this movie is very difficult to watch. Um, so I, uh, you know, obviously, I, we're all here in Texas, and I, uh, months ago, browsing the shelves at uh, Half Price Books, just happened to see that they had a used Blu-ray copy of Joe Dirt 2 Beautiful Loser, the extended edition. Um, and it was $3.99. And I was like, of course, I'm going to cover this. And that's probably what the cost, like that's just like a dollar or two more than the cost of a rental like would be. Like naively assuming that there would be a way to rent this movie. Uh, but turns out, guys, that's not that's not the case. Uh, Austin, how'd you watch this? Um, I, I watched it the only way I could. Um through Apple TV, which was paying $12.99 to purchase the digital copy. The extended edition, at least. It's going to fuck up your algorithm so bad, man. Like, I know it's already fucked from, like, years of doing this podcast, but, like, it's going to be, like, what? So recommended for you. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder somewhere out there if there's, like, a someone that lives in the programming of Apple TV that's like, why did we sell a Joe Dirt 2 this week? Should we greenlight a third one? Patrick, we months from now, Patrick Warburton is gonna. I'm just imagining he opens his own mail. Patrick Warburton's gonna get a check from Sony, and he and he's gonna open it up, and there's gonna be a residual check for like seventy two cents. He's gonna be like Joe Dirt too. Like I don't remember that. (laughs) 
so that's Chris. how Austin watched it. Um, so I I was aware of the fact, like like when we were, you know, in like the week leading up to the to this episode, I was like, all right, sure. So I'll, you know, like if it's not streaming anywhere, if I don't already own it, um, I'll just you know, you know, and I'll just go rent it on Amazon or, or YouTube for you know like a few bucks, no big deal. I think that's how I wound up watching like Dickie Roberts, which was fine. Um, uh, and I saw like like the the sort of incredible fact that like not just Apple TV but like Amazon, YouTube, um, you know like like Voodoo probably like all of your major streaming services. It's only available Joe like a crackle a crackle original movie Joe Dirtier Beautiful Loser um, is only available to purchase um, like a digital copy on all these services for like yeah 13 14 bucks look I love Spade Spade means a lot to us you know I've been watching and laughing him since I was a kid I've read his book if he has a new you know comedy special I'll watch it but I I just couldn't I couldn't do it guys <laughs> um, couldn't do it and um, and also too like as we know I'm not the my spade fandom and affection aside, I'm just not the biggest fan of Joe Dirt. And I, and I, <laughs> um, I find the original, although it has its laid back charms, I mostly find it grating and like redneck minstrelsy. I just find it just to be an unappealing kind of experience. So I wound up going the old fashioned way and just Googling Joe Dirt to like potlucker, <laughs> like movies one, two, three, wound up watching it on one of those janky sort of streaming outlets where you have to, click through like a dozen ads just to hit play and God forbid you have to pause it to go pee or something because it's going to come up with another dozen ads to play. So that was my experience watching it. And you know what? That's okay. Um, and that's going to fuck up your algorithm in a totally different way. <laughs> I get my, 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 my dinky little Chromebook, many, many a virus, but you know what? We all, we all suffer for our art and uh, we all, we all pay our dues to give tribute to our, to our, to our spade. Well, yes. And so I, I actually haven't checked. I haven't checked if there's any special features on this, uh, this Blu-ray that I have. Um, it does advertise the all new, never before seen extended cut. I'm slightly curious now as to what is extended because obviously Austin also watched the extended cut. We have no idea of no, we have no way of knowing what Chris watched. I believe um, it was the extended cut because like the runtime on my streaming like copy here goes to like 150 minutes. Okay. Well, yeah. So there, there you go. Um, but yeah, I wonder if like there, there are a couple of moments where like out of nowhere, there'll be like an F bomb. And I'm like, this wasn't really an F bomb type, like kind of movie up to this point. And it's right. like, like kind of random stabs that maybe making it a little bit like raunchier. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, if I had to say like what one scene would be maybe a scene that I mean, I think there's scenes that go on for a long time. Like yes. the uh, there's a flatulence scene, and there's also a scene that involves tampons. But there's also nothing as gross in this movie. Like nothing even clo comes close to as like gross out like, like as the like the, the 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 poop like the the poop that like pours all over Joe Dirt's head in the first movie. Like even that was more like like that's a PG thirteen movie, and that was like more risque than this. Mm -hmm. There's a bit where Joe is like, like through most of the movie, you know, he has like his little kind of like light PG-13 swears, like, you know, just uh, just variations on crap mostly. But there's a bit where like he says sort of like an old fashioned like, oh, like, oh, crap balls. And then he just says like, fuck at some point. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's hard to. Yeah. 
they, like I, I will say that like even though this this thing came out like and i guess in the somewhat earlier days of like streaming originals it feels very very much like a streaming original kind of movie just like with its kind of just slapdash thrown together plotting and uh <laughs> um and just I, I don't know like watching this i was like maybe they were kind of ahead of the curve on this in a way because if this came out yesterday on Netflix, I'd be like, yeah, no, that like that checks out. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm fascinated. I know like we're like, we were having, I was having fun with like the, how we watched it conversation, but like, I'm genuinely fascinated by like, okay. So the first movie, you know, genuinely like ha- has a cult following. Like it's, it's certainly more cult culty in terms of it's like out. It's like uh reach than something like Tommy boy or whatever, but it's like, it's more in line with like, you know, the amount of people who like say black sheep, but it's like in terms of numbers, probably. But like, there was a movie like in college. I knew a lot of people who owned that DVD. Um, oh, yeah. And and Jordan too, you know, it's made as like a, okay, like for the fans, which happens a lot in our current streaming era, where it's like you know, like large like sums of money will just be thrown at stuff. Where it's like if you can prove on a spreadsheet this gets X amount of eyeballs, like we'll make a sequel to it or like a you know whatever. Like we've seen some wild stuff. But the fact that this movie only exists by spending $13 on it on VOD, or you could track down a Blu-ray copy, but you can't actually rent it anywhere. And you certainly can't stream it for free anywhere. It's like, does, I guess what I'm saying is like, does this movie, like, how does this movie exist? Like, are there fans, like, do, do, do Joe Dirt fans even know this movie exists? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, is this even like a, like, it almost feels like we're talking about a film that doesn't like that doesn't really exist. And I feel like even some like like w- once we get to like Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, like that'll be like. But even that came out in theaters. <laughs> like right. it's when, like I just don't know like what like. And this is not even I'm not even really getting into the quality of the movie right now. I'm just saying like I, I'm I'm kind of perplexed now that I'm saying it out loud and like thinking about it. It's like where what is this? <laughs> like who, who who does it exist for? I mean, I know, like, I, uh, when I mentioned to my girlfriend a few days ago that we were, you know, like, oh, we're going to be recording, um, and we're, you know, continuing the spade train. She's like, oh, haha, like, what are you going to guys watch next? Dickie Roberts 3? And I said, I wish. Um, uh, no, we're watching Joe Dirt 2. And she said, there's a Joe Dirt 2? I said, yeah, came out in 2015, a Crackle original. What the fuck? Like, 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 yeah. So unless you're super in the know, you know, like, you know, um, like, unless you're one of the beautiful Brian Connolly's of the world, I, 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 this might not be on one's radar. Like, uh, yeah. (laughs) And And I mean, sorry, like, obviously this, like Joe Dirt has its super fan. So I imagine they got on board, but aside from that, I imagine you're right, Wilson, this is kind of a, you know, um, this movie walks between the raindrops for sure. Well, just imagine if, unless you like enthusiastic, uh, an enthusiastic enough Joe Dirt fan to seek it out upon its immediate release, then like you, you don't know that this exists. Right. Yeah. I definitely feel like this fit, fits within like the bulletproof two model of just like things that <laughs> exist. Although this is a little bit more mistal- nostalgia playing since it's got the original cast back. Right. Like, and and look like, you know, so like Brian Connolly, you know, who we've had on, you know, dear, dear guest of the, you know, friend of the pod. Um, he's, uh 
I know he likes this movie. I know he's he. I know he's. Uh, I haven't asked him like I've never gotten like the full breakdown from him. I've never discussed this movie in depth with him the way I you know did you know before I saw Jack and Jill you know for example. Um, but I do or like this Bigelow European Gigolo. But I do know that he likes this movie. I believe he had it on his. He had had a Blu-ray copy on the recommend his recommended section uh, employee section at Vulcan. Um, so you know I'm not I'm not even like trying to slam. I'm not even trying to like. I'll have plenty to say about the movie, like good and bad, like whatever. But like, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by like out of all the aside. I mean, we did just come off of like what is 100% will never be topped as like the most obscure movie the podcast will ever cover the shortcut. Um, But this feels like, I don't know. It's just like what should have been an event. Like, is just sort of like, I don't know. I guess nobody thinks about Dumb and Dumber 2. And that movie played in theaters. And, like, that movie kind of has a huge... The original has a huge fan base. And no one really thinks about the sequel. But I don't know. Um, it's, like a, it's like a Zoolander 2 situation, too. It's like, oh. I mean, people, people love Zoolander. I love Zoolander. And people will still reference it. But I know one got shit to say about Zoolander 2. <laughs> How many sequels are hard? Um, maybe that's why Sandler hasn't really done, like... Like he never like made Waterboy too. Um, probably a smart move, honestly. Um, yeah. yeah, you 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 have an exception that proves the rule with like the with the with the beauty of Grown Ups too. And I could see him maybe finding a way to make like a Hubie Halloween two work. Yeah. Um, especially because that movie does such good groundwork in like not just his character but like this whole like town that he lives in. I could see that being a possibility, but. Yeah, it's not really a well that he goes down too often. Um, yeah, it's so I think I think like yeah, it's to, comedy sequels can be very tough. I mean, no one thinks about Caddyshack two, although I do follow the director of Caddyshack two on Letterboxd. Um, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> uh, so, Joe Dirt two begins. Um, begin is the darnest thing. So it begins with uh, uh, two people sitting outside of like a rural gas station. Um, a black man and a white man and uh, the white man is like in- insanely like hick like deliverance like uh, someone from like the movie deliverance but like more inbred than that <laughs> um he's like a real dummy and they're just like talking like they're just having some dumb conversation and then suddenly dennis miller is there um and dennis miller played in the original movie played the part of Xander Kelly or whatever his name was. And he was a radio DJ who Joe Dirk told his, you know, incredible and inspiring story, um, like to, you know, to the entire nation. And Dennis Miller was sort of like, you know, was just there as like kind of a, a sounding board, you know, would like occasionally interject. Um, he does mention that he platformed Joe Dirk in the previous, like this character, but I'm not sure if this is Xander Kelly or if this is Dennis Miller, because the opening scene here is just, they just let Dennis Miller just like riff for a cut for like a minute. It's like, like saying stuff about the guy's teeth. He calls them ebony and ivory, which I found a little weird. Um, it, it, I know he's like a super conservative dude. So maybe I just like have a bad taste in my mouth from like all that stuff, but um, it, it's very weird. And it, it, you know, it like instantly like set me off, like put me off guard because I was like, what movie am I, what is this? Like, I may have genuinely forgot what the movie was like for a minute. Um, yeah, I don't know. And uh, does, he, does, he, does he set up and he's literally just like, oh yeah, there's another, there's another crazy thing that Joe Dirt got into. Well, yeah, um, and so, like 
so it starts off with like the black man and the white hick talking you know like the sort of like folky sort of poetry thing i was like oh this is sort of like what link later did in bernie this is an interesting touch and then there's miller dennis miller there doing his dennis miller shit and it's like he's about to tell the story of joe dirt but what he but what really he does he's like but hey let's hear it from the man himself and it's like it then cuts to spade as joe dirt who's then on a bench doing like a forrest gump thing and he's gonna tell his story now it's like this weirdly layered thing that makes no sense and kind of to the movie's credit about like a third of the way through there's a bit where it cuts back to miller and it's like he makes it like he does like a meta thing where he talks about how how unnecessarily layered and and like laborious this is i think he's playing dennis miller he's right. not because <laughs> he literally says this is joe dirt too why are we overwriting this which is a funny bit but it also leads me to my my it's not a grand overarching theory but like it is sort of like a notion that i had where i was like this movie kind of feels like it was sh i know it wasn't i'm not like i'm, I'm not like theorizing in that way but like it kind of feels to me like a movie that um nicholas wending refn has talked about how he like shoots his films sequentially and like it'll, the end will always end up being different than what he wrote because he always like makes up a lot as he goes along um you know uh and that worked for like a really like grimly violent art film like only god forgives or something where it's not so much about plot um Dota 2 kind of feels like that to me because the because the, the dennis miller line midway through about like why are we overriding this feels a little bit like oh sorry like we finally got a structure like and we're like <laughs> um and it's because like the first act of this movie um it feels like every take that was used was the first take right um it feels like it feels sometimes like I don't think like look this is a podcast extolling the work of dennis dugan like i'm not going to go in too hard on like the filmmaking but there are certain times where i think it comes close to inept um lots of adr clearly to kind of like patch over shit um you know like so boom just, mics visible <laughs> visible just like and like but also like you have that type of ineptitude combined with scenes that actually look kind of well lit and composed like there's that like, there's an extended conversation between spade later on in the in the movie and christopher walken as with his mob boss and like they're sitting at a bar and it looks pretty good yeah. um, <laughs> um and like they actually took some time and like budget to like light it well uh -huh. and it's like all right well this is a different shade to the movie that actually looks like kind of quality <laughs> as opposed to other bits where it's just like pretty ghastly you know what it kind of reminded me of y'all um just in kind of like the same vein of like a movie that just sort of sweats straight to streaming and also kind of sweats like good natured but still just sort of like kind of depressing to watch fan service it reminded me of watching like late era kevin smith i'm thinking particularly of like jay and silent bob reboot which i couldn't even finish as you recall wilson we started together i was like i'm out i can't do oh, it yeah I, I, I didn't finish it either <laughs> um it, it, it kind of reminded me of that in the sense of like i could see being like the most generous of super fans which i suppose we are um kind of giving this like a good shake like in good faith but i don't know like i laughed at that line from dennis miller being like this is joe dirt too like the joe dirt too like why are we overriding this like i laughed because it shows some self-awareness but as we also often see with smith commenting on your ineptitude doesn't like really excuse the ineptitude <laughs> or at right. least like it doesn't make it go away <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, we get we get Joe Dirt. He's on a park bench. It's obviously Forrest Gump. Um, and uh, I do like I don't think this this isn't even really a joke um, as presented in the movie. I did think it was funny that they give Joe Dirt this like big hero shot introduction where like the camera like slowly sort of circles around to reveal his face. And it's like, is there a joke in here? No, there's not. Um um, which we'll, 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 that we'll see that continued throughout the rest of this, this movie. Um, and so, yeah, like he scares off this one. Um, I can't believe this is actually important for later in the movie. Um, that there's like one, uh, like woman there, this black woman who like basically just like, you know, tells him to like fuck off essentially and like walks off. And then another woman comes and sits down and he's just like, Hey, like, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be all mean to me and stuff that like, if, you know, if I talk to you and she's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> Okay. And like, I gotta say, I still, I still kind of like David, even in this movie, I kind of still like David Spade in this role. Um, I, I find him um, winningly pathetic in this as opposed to like pathetic to the, to the, like, I mean, he's extremely pathetic, but it is just like, it's, it is funny to me as opposed to like, oh, geez, I hate spending time with this guy. Right. Right. Like they find a better sort of formula there than like in some of the earlier Schneider stuff that we were talking about, like with Deuce Bigelow, a movie that has its laughs, certainly, but we were watching it like, he's just kind of a creep. Like, I don't well, like that. That deserves to be a loser. Right. Like, right. Um, so, so in spite of my dislike for the, Joe Dirt universe in general, and certainly my dislike for this movie. Like my my ire was never really like directed at Spade, if that makes sense. It was sort of like, oh, but like I I, I like watching this guy, but gee, like imagine if he had a little like just like a better sort of character or project to tie himself to. Like watching, so like and then I'll put it this way watching him in this made me appreciate all the more i think his character in grown-ups um which i think is a very good use of like sort of sleazy spade but also just kind of like likable do do doofus um so yeah i don't know <laughs> it's uh yeah. <laughs> yeah so he he decided he's got to tell this story um he's got to tell this story about like how he lost everything or some such shit um and then uh <laughs> So he's like, oh, like, we got to go back to Silvertown. Like, you got to, like, go back to this town, this place, Silvertown, like, you know, which was a, a big thing in the first movie. And here we got, here we, you know, just a few, like, a few couple of minutes into the movie, we get something that just, like, made my brain, like, sort of, like, <laughs> spark, like spark and short circuit and, like, completely shut down to where, like, I think I, like, lost consciousness. I didn't actually lose consciousness. But, like, I, like, so within, this movie came out in 2015. We, we are treated to an extended, it's not a parody. It's just the, the opening credits to The Sopranos, uh, but like instead of New Jersey, shots of, I guess, Silvertown, which is just like a little like poor hick, hick town, like Southern town or whatever. There's, I can't stress how there is not a joke. <laughs> I can't stress how much there is no joke here. Like, because I laughed because it was so weird. I was like, okay, that's so weird. What on earth? Like the, the surprise thing. So like just the surprise of it gave me a, a laugh. And then it kept going. And I was like, okay, so like, there's going to be a clever reversal or a reveal or like, I don't know. Like if he looked over and he saw two like 
even if he like looked at, looked on the side of the road and like one of the things he saw was like two dogs fucking or something. Like, I don't know, like something like a joke. <laughs> like, but there's nothing. It's just the woke up this morning, got my got myself a gun. Um, <laughs> yeah, and this is eight years after that show ended. Yes, it, it's not like a fresh joke. It's, no. It's, oh, and okay, so like speaking of just like bizarre non jokes um, and freshness, like I, I'm not the most like meme savvy person so there's a bit later on the movie where <laughs> spade like cracks like a burn joke at like some you know like trampy lady and then it does like the thug life like sunglasses thing so this movie came out in 2015 is that about right like as far as like topical for like the thug life thing or was that even staled in that feels like such a fucking family guy like joke <laughs> what's it was that where the cat knocks off a thing off of a table, or am I thinking of a different video, like knocking a glass off of a table? It like I think it just became like a whole series of like like you could, like I remember like one of my students <laughs> like showing me like oh you Mr. Chris the Thug Life thing and it's just like these super videos of a bunch of like cat bullshit and then like Thug Life. So I don't know where it originates. So I don't know where it originates, but as far as like the freshness of it in 2012 when I was working on. A film you know the director terry there was a paparazzi photo published of him like riding the back of a car and among the crew people did like a photoshop like gif of like sunglasses floating down onto his face and it's saying fun life and the one of the reasons why all y'all thought it was so funny is because that was such a stale me like it was okay. such a stale bit and that was in 2012. <laughs> I think it might have been like that might have been like originated like while I was in college. Um, so yeah, very, very strange. No idea, no clue what the Sopranos joke is doing here. Um, but once again, I did kind of laugh at the thug life thing again because it was so random, but I also did have to like pause the movie and like, you know, pace around for a while, like and then regroup. Is the Sopranos thing, so there is something that's going on through a lot of this movie, and I don't know if it's intentional or lazy or both, but it's like they're lifting these things out of other movies. Like, we get the Forrest Gump, we get Back to the Future, we get Sopranos, we get a direct reference to, like, there's something about Mary or a scene lifted from it. It's just, yeah. like, all these things kind of running through, and I don't know what to take of it, if it was intentional or not. I mean, again, I think, like, as far as the, I don't know why I spent so goddamn much time on like how like the non-existent like like plot structure of this movie, but it's I mean it is just like again with if my theory is correct that they were like writing and shooting as they went along, it's like well they hit finally hit upon the structure of like well let's go back in time, but the go back in time uh, thing like eventually they're like well what do we do like what's the like what's the bit and it's like well. You know, we can kind of do a Forrest Gump thing. And then it just became, well, let's just do movie references or movie yeah. parent. Like, let's just like, but yeah, like I said, I think it's like, it's, I, think, I think it's probably just laziness. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not probably. It's definitely laziness. <laughs> There's an extended callback to both Silence of the Lambs and the original Joe Dirt's riffing on Silence of the Lambs, um, which, ugh, I mean. <laughs> I mean, that's Adam Egan. <laughs> it's, yeah if you and you know if you like buffalo bill jokes uh this 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 one has several um um i will get one positive thing out of the way like one thing that actually i think genuinely clicked for me as just being funny and charming and cute but also it, like I, i'm 
fellas, I'm grasping for anything I can. <laughs> I liked the Leonard Skinner scene. Um, uh-huh. now, it, mm-hmm. it is kind of doing the Back to the Future thing where, you know, like, of course, like Marty McFly goes back and like inadvertently like inspires Chuck Berry or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Um, and in Joe Dirt 2, we have um, Spade talking to like fresh faced baby, barely old enough to drive Leonard Skinner. And like, there's an extended riff on them just picking a bunch of like of like lame kind of like 80s like poppy band names like Wham or Alan Parsons Project or then like getting up to like Spice Boys and One Direction ha ha ha, but eventually Spade convinces them of like the coolness of the of the band name Leonard Skinner and you guys are destined for greatness. You're gonna have this really cool song about a bird like letting it free and then the guitar guy is riffing on the free bird uh, like lick and then. I don't know, like, again, I'm grasping at straws here, but I found that whole sequence, like, the movie just kind of, like, stopped with its, like, flailing bullshit for a second, and it actually felt genuine, like, a genuine appreciation for that band and that song. I think Spade plays the scene very well, (laughs) Um, and I don't know, like, I I found myself weirdly touched by this, (laughs) by this five-minute extended Skinner riff um, in a interminable <laughs> movie of just sort of stale, sweaty jokes. So we, we are going to do a fair amount of fair amount of just like bouncing all around here because, you know, it's, it's hard to do otherwise, but the, that leads, that bit leads to a moment. One of my favorite moments of the movie, which is like later on years have passed. And, and the big deal is that he didn't tell them about he. He didn't, he told them there would be a huge band, but he didn't tell them about the plane crash. Right. <laughs> kills three of their members. And years later, like 12 years later, whatever, he uh, he sees a newspaper. It's like Leonard Skinner dies in plane crash. And he's just like, oh no, I never told, who cares? Like, are they just like more concerned about his own problems? And that leads me to my, uh, a major confession of mine, which is that, for all the complaining that I'm doing, and I have I have a lot of like qualms, and I did text y'all early on in the movie and say this is rough. I gotta say, the times in this movie that I laughed, I really laughed. <laughs> That's a little bit concerning to me, um, considering the whole thrust of this entire project. You know, its weird status as like barely a barely existing thing. But <laughs> so, for example, uh. After, uh, after like Dave, David's, uh, after Joe Dirt and uh, his his beloved Brandy, um, they get married, um, and they decide that, uh, that, and you know, they get pregnant. She gets pregnant, um, and they have the, you know these. Uh, anyways, we'll we'll go back to the birth scene, um, but um, God damn it, um, Joe Joe Dirt is getting he's a he's doing logging. Like he as a job, like he's just like with a logging crew and everyone on the logging crew is a huge jerk towards him um, and just like treating him like shit. And that's a common theme throughout these movies is that like most everyone treats Joe Dirt for no reason at all. Just immediately treats him like human garbage. Um, and the, everyone here starts like bullying him and like, uh, you know, being shitty to him. Um, and then they all come up one by one and they start like farting on him. And then <laughs> so that's so that's not really funny. I'm laughing about it. That's not really funny. It's kind of funny how long it goes on. Yeah, it, um, uh, it, 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 it's it's like a farting rape. Uh, excuse me, rake like like uh, sideshow Bob rake guy. So so that so that's kind of amusing. And then so 
out of nowhere, and this is kind of incompetent with the way it's shot because it's literally just like an like I'm not sure if this person has been there the entire time. Did they just enter the scene? Like what's going on? But there's suddenly a beautiful, beautiful blonde woman dressed up kind of in like lager stuff. Like she's wearing overalls and like flannel. Um she walks up and it's like oh, I guess, like, this hot lady just showed up to, like, be cool to Joe Dirt, and she turns around and farts on him, too. <laughs> and I was like, I'm laughing now, I laughed then. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is this? I don't understand. I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome or being punched drunk or what, but, like, I, I said, Stone Cold Sober watching this movie. Like, you know, I did my meditation earlier today. I had to exercise. I was in a solid frame of mind. And yet, like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, that, that that got me good. And there are a few other moments in this movie that got me good that way. And uh, again, I, I I used to say there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. And this is edging up dangerously close on uh, pooing me wrong. <laughs> I definitely was in on that scene, too, and laughed. Um I laughed also because the joke never changes for that long duration. I, want, I, I was expecting at some point someone would like no real escalation. Like, yeah, there's no rhythm or buildup or whatever. It's just let's see how long we can do this. Um. <laughs> I feel written so much as like I don't know. Hey, like your girlfriend or whatever. Like, wouldn't it be funny if she was like a lumberjack and she came up and farted on? That's great. Throw her in the scene. Like. You know, I, I just, I, I can't fathom it. Um, and so, um, yeah, so there's an earlier scene and this is sort of like, this is the the bad side of the sort of free wheel, let's call it the freewheeling nature of this movie is the scene where um, she gives birth. Uh, first of all, it's like, there's the, the aesthetics of what, and like, I don't normally notice it's you're not supposed to notice like set design generally when it's not like a heightened reality or whatever. And like, I was just noticing, I was like, this is a fucking, like, this is an office building somewhere. Like, this is like, not like, this is not a fucking delivery room. It does not, it's barely been made to look like one. Um, but it's just this interminable scene of like, where a lot of the angles are uh, from like, like the, they're like from the angle of like Brittany, uh, uh, Brittany Daniels, uh, you know, private parts. And it's like, you know, people talking into it as they're like waiting for these girls to be born. And there's like a whole thing with the doctor coming in and it's like, oh, like once I knew that she was here, I had to like, you know, once I knew Brandy was here, I had to like, uh, you know, get in on this action. And like the two female doctors are also talking about how hot they think that her like hoo-ha is. And it's like, like, one of them is like is like this like cigarette smoking kind of like 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 punk like like badass chick type who's like being very mean to Joe. Another nurse who's like being like a little nicer and sweet about it. Then you have like this you know kind of just real piggish bald doctor, and it's like several jokes on top of each other. Towards the end of the scene, it makes like the two female doctors are about to kiss. It like it's as if like. Six different people were given the basic premise. Of <laughs> they're like, come up with jokes. And by the way, all six of these writers are like freshman frat guys. Um, and, and and they just threw all those jokes in there at the same time. Also, to, look, it's Joe Dirt too. I know it's not going for like realism or accuracy with regards to like the birthing process. But like there's a bit where like, you know, it's 
it's Brittany Daniel there in, in like the stirrups looking all made up and beautiful like Brittany Daniel always does. And at one point, one of the female doctors like, oh, it looks like it's crowning. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the crowning process of the birthing, you know, experience is, um, you know, kind of famously intense and painful. And there's just Brittany Daniel like, hey, y'all stop being so mean to Joe. It's like, oh, is this supposed to be a delivery scene? Like, oh, and there's triplets all of a sudden. Sure. Like it's, 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 it's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah, a I, lot. I think you're, I think you're sweating your ass off and you look nasty whenever, or beautiful in your own way. <laughs> but you know you're you're going through something where you've got three babies coming out of you and here she looks like she's having ice cream on a tuesday <laughs> it's just it's, it's 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 wild um there is one line again there is a line i slightly chuckled at where i can't remember if it's does it say spielberg or scorsese like but he's just like the the direct he's like wow like so, so couldn't have composed a better shot than this. Like, what more could you need? And then yeah. <laughs> Joe Dirt pops his head up and he goes, well, not that. And it was like, okay, mildly amusing. But again, they're just throwing so much shit at the walls. They're just like throw, throwing stuff. But like, it even like, I don't know, like even like Family Guy or something manages to have more grace in like the way that it throws shit at the walls. Right. And, like, yeah. I love David Wayne's movies and he's, you know, like and his like humor is throwing everything against the wall, but it's good stuff he's throwing against the wall too. Like, like, you know, um, I know we, sometimes we, we overuse this particular word, but like, like so much of Joe dirt too, feels very sweaty. <laughs> well, uh, not, not unlike Brittany Daniel in this scene, um, which right. actually now that I hadn't really thought about that, but since we're talking about her, I will say if I had to compare this movie as an object, as a sequel to Joe dirt, um, I wasn't really thinking about it like that the whole time because, again, the whole movie is kind of bizarre. Like, I know it is like the first movie, but it also, like, I like the first movie more than this, but, like, I, I don't even really, like, I don't know, I don't really hold that against Joe Dirt. To, anyways, if we're if we're thinking, if I was, like, a Joe Dirt mega fan and I'm thinking about, like, what do I want in a sequel to Joe Dirt? One way that I think they unequivocally dropped the ball um, is the total sidelining of Brittany Daniel for most of the runtime. And that could have been a scheduling thing. Hell, for all I know, she doesn't give a shit about Joe Dirt. And, you know, the, the fact that people bring it up to her is like a, you know, a pain and a nuisance. And she just did this for the money. But she's second bill. And I got to say, you know, I had a crush on her in the, in the first movie when I was, you know, 12 years old. But I got to say, genuinely, she, she's quite she gives quite um, funny, um, I'll even go so far as to say accomplished comic performances uh, in both White Chicks and Little Man by the Wayans Brothers. And I'm not kidding. She is funny in both of those movies. And she's kind of fearless. Like she's kind of willing to do a lot of shit in those movies. Um, so she's gay and she is funny. And I know, you know, at least based on the back of my Blu-ray here that says she's from TV's The Game. Um, she appears to be, you know, a working actress still, like doing TV stuff. So, like, you know, more power to her. That's great. Um, I think she has to be in Club Dread. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, like, she, so, you know what, like, all the best to her. But I do think that, like, I wish that, I wish that they had come up with more for Brandy to do yeah. in this movie. And, 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 like she absolutely is sidelined this thing, but one thing you got to give like 
props for is that like she and the nonsense that is Joe Dirt and the insane nonsense that is Joe Dirt too. I feel like she does like conjure up like an emotional through line for this character and these performances. Like she's showing up and kind of making it work. And that's a good thing. And it's worthy of admiration and praise, but in a way it, it, it kind of makes the experience of Joe dirt too worse because it's like, well, like this could have been something <laughs> like, like, like <laughs> she's putting in the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> Uh, I'd love I'd love to get a beer with Christopher Walken to ask him what he thought about uh, Megan this movie. So um, we also at one point we at some point get uh, in, in we get introduced to a new character who again is more or less introduced as more or less introduced as we couldn't get Kid Rock back, so here's that character, but someone else. Um, and so we meet Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray playing this like you know dirtbag character who much like Kid Rock in the first movie like loves Brandy and wants to make her or make her um, his own. And uh, uh, there's, there's a bit, you know, this, this these scenes, especially these early scenes are so unfocused and they're so like, you know, there might be like a funny joke buried in the sort of shapelessness of it all. Where like in this first bit, we're like, you know, at one point, Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray says to like his drinking buddy, um, like, what are you some kind of scientist now? And the guy goes like, "No, I work down at I, I work down at Roy's like towing towing company. You know that." Um, and then like he's just like, "Yeah, like what did your boyfriend tell you that?" Like, and he goes, "No, I don't have a boyfriend, and I need to know who's feeding you all this false information." Like he's like weirdly serious and sincere about like, "No, like why would you think that?" Rather than like getting the intent of what you know Martin McGrath from the band Sugar Ray is saying to him. Um, I don't know, kind of funny, but also just like lost in like the weird chaos of of, of this first uh, this first act. Um, so yeah, we meet Mark McGrath, Sugar Ray. Um, he's gonna be there, um, and uh, we then we have the farting scene. Uh, God, like again, my mind was just a, a sea, like a leaky sea, just like everything just like poured through it. Like I, I have it going in the background, and that's helping a little bit. Um, but uh, basically, there's a big storm one day um uh, so you know uh <laughs> joe dirt is like sad because his girls saw him get humiliated by getting farted on a million times by his co-workers and uh, later on uh there's a uh, there's a, a tornado scene um which i don't know how much crackle gave them to make this but this is like just like one tick above birdemic level like uh, like like a like a fucking instagram filter for tornado would do a better job of like simulating like ah i'm in a tornado like none of this debris that is ripping around is like affecting like them as they run through it at all like it's crazy but there's a tornado um the girls are like no like i need my like i need something you left in the trailer and it's a present from daddy and he's like oh i'm superman i'll go get it and um he gets sucked up into the into the storm and he lands on uh he lands back in what 1965 1965 okay um and he um <laughs> and so he lands back in 1965 and he crushes uh he, you know wizard of oz style he like lands on uh like this asshole biker guy i guess and patrick warburton you know is there as a biker dude and he is uh hey patrick warburton it's a nice little uh, Ember's new groove reunion um 
and Patrick, that's my dog coughing in the background. Sorry about that. He, uh, but um, Warburton is like, oh, like, I mean, I guess it's like the necromongers in Chronicles of Riddick. Keep what you kill. They're kind of like, you, you get to lead us now. And so he's in, uh, so like, you know, at the biker bar, like Joe Dirt is, uh, you know, like give, giving them all the bikers names, whatever. For some reason they turn on him. I don't know. Um because uh, like he wants to like oh so now that we're all together we should use yeah. our we should use like our strength and, and numbers for good like let's get to charity and then they start calling him a queer. <laughs> uh, that's right. There's a lot of like there's a lot of like jokes predicated on like homophobia in this movie. Um it's just like it's just like I mean like obviously it's offensive but it's just like it's more than that it's just like lazy yeah. it's like not even like really it's not like hateful or like aggressive it's just like eh, that's the best you could best you could come up with it's almost um, like just too like lame to even be offended by um, exactly um and so uh basically uh he you know he does his like I believe he did in the first movie who's just like what is this queer is this like you know doing like hitting his arms and um uh and I did like that uh. I did like that as he like runs away from them, Patrick Warburton and the biker gang are like shouting insults and like threatening him. And they're like, Oh, when we get you, we're going to like, whatever. And like, none of them are moving. Like he's right down there and none <laughs> of them are running to get him. And then it's like, and then he's, he's like, yeah, I'll get you. And then like, and then there's like a, a, a moment, like a beat. And then he's like, all right, let's go. And they like, kind of <laughs> just like, they kind of just like, like very casually start to walk away. And then it cuts in a clip, like it, 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 even the cutting there is like kind of clever. Like it's 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 not it's not a bad moment. Um, um, things get real hazy at this point for me. Um, let's see. Uh, what does he do back in the sixties? I mean, um, he's trying to find like, is he intentionally seeking out Brandy's mother or like Brandy or does oh. he, or does she just like, or does he just like kind of like stumble into her? It's uh, hard to tell. <laughs> he kind of just, he kind of just like stumbles in into her. Um, I guess he does go back to Silvertown or whatever. Um, he's in Silvertown and um, uh, he sees Brandy uh, and it turns out to be, of course, like Brandy's mom. And he sees um, uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, uh, like driving the car. And uh, that's, the the character who Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray is playing that's his dad you know in the sixties or whatever uh, and uh, Joe Dirt like you know or like they 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 go to a drive in is Joe Dirt even at the drive in um, he <laughs> I think he shows up there at like the drive in snack bar stand or whatever okay I I don't even remember because he's not really involved in this bit but uh. <laughs> Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray describes to his buddies when uh, Brandy or Brandy's mom goes to the, the snack stand. Um, Mark, he describes to his buddies the, the fabled popcorn trick. Uh, I like I liked this bit. This movie becomes like Porky's all of a sudden. Or you know what, like better yet, since we mentioned um, like Dumb and Dumber 2 and there's something about Mary earlier, this feels sort of like a Fairly Brothers bit. Yeah, oh, yes. But it doesn't quite have like the fair, like the old school fairly conviction of like going full, like into like gross territory. Like it, it's, it is a very rated R like gag presented with a PG 13 kind of like giggliness. It feels like they, it honestly feels like the execution is blown a little, like, like, I mean, not a little bit, like it's, they totally blow it. It's like I, the concept was funny, but like, I think that like there's just like, I don't know. There is something like about the 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 rhythm of the scene that doesn't quite like 
sell like the beats that it needs to like or hit those 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 points um but basically he t- he tells his friends about the popcorn trick and if there's anyone if you're listening to this podcast i'm sure you know about the pop what the popcorn trick is but if you don't hi hi mom if you're listening <laughs> just kidding she doesn't listen to this um uh the the popcorn trick uh is uh i first heard about it on the, the flop house podcast years ago when they described it and so like, it's been passed down but um basically you uh you, you you take a bucket of popcorn and you cut a hole in the bottom and you stick your presume i don't know if it's if it's anyways you stick your penis in there uh you stick your penis in there and as mark mcgrath from sugar ray describes it you know she'll like grab your thingy um and i, I like that i like again this run kind of runner about like him having like insanely stupid friends and like the guy he's just like yeah you cut a hole in the popcorn the the popcorn uh bucket and he's just like whoa the popcorn fall <laughs> and that that's that sort of reminded me a little bit of the like, wouldn't you just get another burrito, Todd? Like, <laughs> like, um... I did laugh though. Like once, like like once he finally <laughs> like finishes the the description of like the whole little trick. Well, and no, and then you stick your thingy in, and then she'll grab it. Like, oh, okay, that's how the popcorn stays. <laughs> that's how the popcorn doesn't fall out. Um, and so he 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 does that, and, and he tells, and he also like. He kind of does the, uh, he does the like, it's almost like a Back to the Future thing. When he, he literally is just like, tell everyone it's going to be, it's going to be legendary. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess we're to, we're to understand he invented the popcorn trick. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah. And so, yeah. Anyways, later in the scene, uh, yeah. Joe Dirt does show up because he finds out that, you know, it's Brandy's mom, you know, uh, and not Brandy. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, uh, his his parents show up, uh, and like his sister, and they all start grabbing at the popcorn. Um, and I guess he ejaculates. So I guess I was wrong about the about there not being a raunchier scene than the poop in uh, Joe Dirt One, because I guess that kind of qualifies. Although you don't see, I, mean, I guess for, for good reason, but you don't really see anything. Like it's not like there's any like even something about Mary showed you, some, you know, showed you some cum. Uh, this is gonna be our most X-rated explicit uh, ex- explicit episode, even more than European Gigolo. So, uh, the popcorn trick that was that was all in good fun. Um, uh, Spade runs away. Uh, he gets gets on a train at one point. Um, gets on a train and has like a double dream fake out of being. Um... Uh, oh, a weird transphobic joke. Okay, yeah, yeah, like a weird homophobic joke followed by a transphobic joke. Um, which, like, again, like, 2015, I know with our Happy Madison movies, we can get into dicey territory of, like, you know, what's what could be deemed as, like, kind of problematic bro humor. But on the whole, Sandler's universe doesn't really go into that type of mean-spiritedness. After all, we, you know, like, we think back to Big Daddy and how he's calling he's like calling out a homophobic a homophobic friend like generally he's on the side of good naturedness so again it's 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 too stupid and lazy and like way out of like outdated to like even to even work up the energy to be offended by nevertheless didn't you know didn't care for it (laughs) no certainly not um and um yeah the double the double dream fake out 
at, at another point, he then, so he mentioned the thug life bit. That comes in the midst of a dream sequence where he he comes back into contact with uh, Adam Beach as Kicking Wing, um, the firework <laughs> salesman who is now like uh, he's like moved on to uh, selling like weed and aspirin. I, I don't really understand. Other than like bringing him back, I don't really. Other than the thug life joke, there's not really much there uh, in that scene. Um, it, like it leads to Spade basically rattling off, you know, like, you know, a, like a few dozen euphemisms for various hard drugs, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bit. Yeah, you kind of have that callback to the first one. So this is his uh, hunker do hunker, whatever. All of those yeah, fireworks. Yeah. Husker do's, husker don'ts. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so, um, and then he's walking through town or a city or something, uh, and he, um, encounters, uh, <laughs> so we had the Leonard Scared scene at one point, um, he encounters, uh, these two men, uh, who, like, I guess beat him up and, and, and knock him out and they, he wakes up on like, uh, what he thinks is a deserted island and they've stolen like a lot of his organs. Um, and um, <laughs> he, so like we get a weird castaway parody for like a bit. Um, he he humps, a, he humps a football that he calls Wilson. Um, and uh, then uh, <laughs> in a twist shockingly reminiscent of one of the, the this year's major awards players, uh, the, the 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 plot of that film, uh, it turns out uh, he's just like in Miami, <laughs> like he spent like ten years uh, and ten years on like a beach somewhere, like. Um, but there's a funny joke here. The bit it, it's reminiscent of Taylor Lautner. And my favorite joke from Ridiculous Six, where Taylor Lautner forgets that he's writing a letter to his mama, lack <laughs> of his eternal monologue. Um, David Spade, Joder, is writing a letter uh, by using the blood from like his stitches, and as he's writing, he says "man," and he's like, "I don't know why I said man. I probably like shouldn't have written, written extra words." I've, I like he like he writes way more extraneous words to cover up his mistake and explain why he's covering up his mistake. And he only has so, so much blood. Um, <laughs> I laughed at that bit. Um, I don't know, weird bit. You know, there was this fifteen years after Castaway came out. Yeah, and so this is one place where I kind of got lost a little bit. Like, is he is he just living in this time for the years, or do do moments happen like him getting knocked out? Is he knocked out for ten years and comes back? I have no idea because it it, it, it to me I thought he was there based on I thought it was just like moments and he was there for like a couple of weeks, but then when they're like, no, you've been here for ten years, and I'm like, that's kind of a funny joke, but like again, it's like they step on it. It's like they step on the joke. Like that could be really like a very funny reveal. Um, that like, oh, like you've been, you know, you've been here for a decade, like you idiot, like you didn't notice something in a decade. Um, but again, it's just sort of like, that's a funny bit. They just sort of like fly past. Um, yeah. Um, incidentally, I forgot, I forgot to mention the other, like I, I laughed out loud. Um, I did, I did only have like a handful of laugh out loud moments, but they were, you know, real. And the other time I laughed out loud, um, second time was, um, (laughs) 
win. And I'm pretty sure this was intentional, honestly, and like good for them. It's it's a little bit like hanging a lampshade on it, like the Dennis Miller line. Um, but when um, when Mark McGrath from, uh, from Sugar Ray, when they're at the drive-in, uh, he says, well, you know, since it's senior year, uh, and I literally, I just went, ha! like, out loud in my apartment, because they look so, like, obviously, like, they did nothing to make these people look like they're in high school. Um, I will say that it's, it's, the only time in the movie, maybe, where there's period-appropriate clothing, or the like, they do anything at all to make it look like these people belong in this time period, um, because there is a doctor later that is supposed to be like 1975 doctor, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, no, like, no, he that, looks like he looks that, like a nine, like like a like a 2010 Brooklyn hipster, like 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 he like a 2020 2010 uh, NBA star, because that's what he was. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I thought these girls on this island, just going back to that real quick, I thought they stood out in such a weird way that I was like, this is like something that's like someone in the family knows them. They both have the last name Wolf. So I'm assuming that they are Fred Wolf's kids. Well spotted, sir, because I, I too noticed the weird cutting rhythms, like the way they would cut back to them on every reaction where I was just like, who are these people? But I didn't, I didn't think long enough. I didn't like, you know, I couldn't contain enough, uh, you know, at that point to, to, you know, form that thought. Um, but that reminds me of a uh, second time I'm going to bring up the Wayans brothers on this podcast, but that reminds me of uh, one of my favorite, uh, deleted scenes in scary movie two um because i used to watch deleted scenes all the time on like every dvd i had um and there's a very funny deleted scene at the end of scary movie two where like there were some cops like in the house like going over them or maybe maybe scary movie one like cops like talking about the vicious murder scene and they they each get like a line and they both turn around and on the back of their uniforms it says director's friend <laughs> um and it's like oh i always thought that was like a clever bit where it's like oh like these bit players so it's like oh that was just clearly like someone's nephew um anyways uh joe dirt to uh let's see uh oh Christopher Walken, of course. Uh, Christopher Walken, you know, a great uh, a highlight of the original film, playing um, a gangster who was in the witness protection program in, a, in as like a janitor in high school. Um, and he, of course, delivered the immortal line that my uh, roommate sophomore year would quote all the time. Would be, "Hey, I don't like your tone. How about I stab you in the face with a soldering iron?" And uh, so. Uh, Joe Durr goes, to, he he basically like encounters, like everything else in the movie is like, he just like encounters this guy in the street. It's, um, he lives a charmed life, uh, Joe Durr. And he's like, hey, that's my buddy. And he like, you know, runs into this, this mob bar, Christopher Walken is, and he's just like, oh, like, you know, why shouldn't I kill you dead or whatever? And he's like, oh, well, like, because, hey, look, there's a NASCAR race on the bar and I can tell you who wins the NASCAR race. Um, and, uh, when he turns out to be correct, Chris Walken's like, wow, like, so you'll be the golden goose. Like we can like make a lot of money. Um, we can make a lot of money, uh, you know, with you calling, you know, it's like Biff Sports Almanac or whatever in uh, Back to the Future too. Yeah, I will call bullshit on this a little bit. <laughs> Not that like we need to call out bullshit on everything, but I mean, him remembering one NASCAR race is a lot different than like him having an almanac that has everything. Cause he yeah. has to go back and think like, 
well, Richard Petty was in this race and go through all the people. There's no way he would functionally be able to actually help out. Like if you were like on the May 3rd game against the, the Brewers versus the Marlins, who won? Like there's no way, yeah. no way this would happen. No, I agree. Um, walking in this movie is, you know, like everyone else in the movie, it looks like he was given, it looks like, you know, he maybe read his pages like 15 minutes before shooting started. And it seems like, um, you know, there were skeleton crews in the wardrobe and hair and makeup departments. Um, and yet, because he's Christopher Walken, he's never really, he's never really been able to like not like add some spin to like what he's doing. And he has a there's a bit where he's talking to Joe and he says, like, hey, like you're my friend in the future, right? And he gives this laugh. That is so weird. <laughs> and he does it again a few times. And it's like a big, obnoxious laugh. And I thought it was very funny. <laughs> again, like, you know, you throw enough shit at the wall. And I guess if you know enough, like, fairly talented people, like, eventually you'll hit on, you'll hit on some of this stuff. And that's what I, like, was discovering while watching this movie. Um, there, So I do want to talk briefly um, about that, that doctor scene. <laughs> Because that was actually, hands down, the funniest scene in the movie for me. Um, because I didn't know who the guy was. I did look him up. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's Baron Davis. And he was an NBA, an all, NBA All-Star, um, you know, the, over a decade ago. Um, and, of course, like his hair, he does not look like he should be in the 70s. But um, after Joe Dirt gets in this, like, awful, um, awful, like, all, like all, how does he, like, gets his, like, his balls, like, like, beat up into his butt. How did that happen? I don't even remember. Like, I... <laughs> okay, good. No one else remembers what happened? <laughs> I would say it's the plane, but the plane is because That's of the after. balls. Yeah. That's after. Um, okay, I don't really remember. I don't really remember who beats him up um, so bad that like, you know, his his, his balls or whatever, but uh, uh, he goes to... Uh, he goes to his doctor and the doctor says uh like he says he says something about like oh like lots of asian people around mm -hmm. and you know how those people like their cameras and then joe dirt like doesn't say anything and then he immediately accuses joe dirt of being racist for not like telling him off for saying that and then which i, I kind of chuckled at that and then he says he says something about his balls getting like your balls like bounced up so far like they got stopped by your heart and like i found that funny like there are a couple of lines that like he's just like he just has this very strange rapid fire deadpan demeanor that i was like he should be in more like i want to this guy i thought he must be a comedian because i was like he is just like it feels like an up-and-coming like like you'd give to like Chris Red from Saturday Night Live or something like, um, and it's like I expected to be an up and coming comic, and like yeah, there's something about this dude's energy that I found very very funny. And the line about, um, you know what? Let's keep talking. I'm gonna find this line because I laugh. I, I like I need to know why I laugh so hard at it. Um, Apparently, he's in. Um, uh, that's my boy. Oh, okay. As a gym coach, I don't remember a gym coach in there. Um, <laughs> Maybe in the beginning section when it's like his seduction in, in high school. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I reverse back through this scene. So the reason why we don't know how he gets here is because we don't see it. Okay. Um, Baron Davis. It's Baron Davis, right? Yeah. He yeah. he recounts 
because I guess the last scene was like Christopher Walken drinking with uh, David Spade, and then he cuts to this, and he's like, "Yeah, you got really drunk. You went on stage to a Donny Osmond concert, this, that, the other, and then a guy's like beat you up." Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just gonna start quoting this. Sorry, y'all. That's not what normally what we do on the podcast. But I just need to. This guy. He just says. He just said the thing. He. Uh, hold on. He says an incredibly large man punched you directly in the testicles. Um, <laughs> Hold on. And he talks about like, oh yeah, like the like uh they took out my organs. Uh, and he's like, Yeah, that would explain all the empty spots on the x-rays. <laughs> <laughs> like there's something about the man's like demeanor, the Baron Davis's like delivery that is this huge guy punched you incredibly hard directly in your testicles. He's smiling, grinning from ear to ear as he delivers this news. Um <laughs> He's, oh, he shows him the video. Um, <laughs> hey, man, let's go see what his throat is talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, hold on. Uh, he, he makes the Japanese slur. Um, yeah, my wife is Asian. What's up with the jokes? Are you some great wizard or something? Um, <laughs> you nodded like a motherfucker. That's it. Um, <laughs> anyway, the punch was so masterful that your testicles are way up inside of you, and they would have gone a lot higher had they not bounced off your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and that just that just like killed me, and I actually like had to pause and laugh for a moment. Uh, <laughs> and he yanks his balls out, and they're incredibly distended, and so he has to put him on a plane. Uh, to travel to Silvertown or whatever. Um, oh, so we have these things that look like salad tongs. Actually, they are salad tongs. Um, you know, there's always some good pussy at the Sizzler. This okay, it's it is a conspiracy theory now. This movie was shot in sequence, and they 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 like made it up as they went along. Um, and so uh, he puts them on a plane, and here. The lack of attention to detail to like the period authenticity. It's like they're they're showing people on this plane, and at one point they show a woman with pink hair. And I'm like, that would be a perfectly normal looking person in 2022 or 2015, like riding around on a plane. But like, I'm so sorry. Like in 1975, you weren't just like walking around. Like she's not like dressed as she looks like a like a like a normal, like she could be a suburban mom, but she has pink hair. It's like, no, I, I don't think so. Um he gets on the plane. Um, he has to go to the bathroom. Uh, the uh, the suction of the uh, of the toilet sucks his balls uh, sucks his balls like into the uh, the, the toilet, and uh, the, the stewardesses uh, stewardesses are you know like don't appreciate it, and they're like you know the doors open, everyone can see him in there. Um, the pilot comes out and immediately vomits, which which makes me laugh. Um, this is the scene that's directly lifted out of there's something about Mary. I mean, I know there's lots of different references, but this is the zipper scene in that this movie. This is the zipper scene. Um, I will have to say, like, I started, it kind of started to work on me in spite of itself. Because I, by this point, fellas, I was pretty well like, woo, this movie. Um, but just the constant, <laughs> just the constant flushing and spade screaming and and then the cutaway to the uh, other, like, people on the flight just kind of looking horrified and disgusted i don't know it got me <laughs> yeah yeah i'm an easy way <laughs> um and so uh he gets he gets unloaded uh he gets unloaded on like i guess like one of those like what, like i guess like the like the the thing that goes up to meet 
I, what do you call those things? Like the big, tall, like lifty things. Like a genie um, lift. Yeah. So he's like, right. He has to like ride over, ride out on that, like with, attached to the toilet. Um, and uh, so he makes it to Silvertown and he starts running. He's got to run to Silvertown uh, so that he can. The timeline just completely falls apart at a certain point because, like, he's got to go. Like, when in Joe Dirt, like, what year are we supposed to believe that he like rescued like Brandy's dog from the porch? Right, like that's if <laughs> let's say that's ten years before Joe Dirt is supposed to take place. So, like, that's like nineteen ninety one or two. But it's like, what did he do in fifteen years? Like, what did he do? Like, it, like this is 11 22 63, where it's like, I guess I'll just go, like, take a job as a teacher for a while. Like, bide my time. Like, what in the world? Like, I don't understand. Um, and so he runs to Silvertown, but then Patrick Warburton is there. He looks exactly the same as he did in the 60s. Um, still pissed off about those boots. <laughs> yeah, he's in Silvertown, but then so is Christopher Walken. And Christopher Walken is like, hey, I don't like your tone. You're talking to my boy all wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's that's a, that's a good bit. You know, always have a golden goose. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my golden goose. Uh, it's a goose that lays the golden eggs. Um, you don't mess with my goose unless you're a gander. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, see, we're, see, we're all laughing here. Um, and, and then, um, so yeah, it uh, turns out that... Uh, Turns out that like Joe completely misses his chance, and uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar, the band Sugar Ray, uh, you know, is the one who helps out Brandy's dog. And uh, Joe shows up and he's like, "Oh, but I have like lots of money now, Brandy. I can be." So I guess now the point of the movie, the the belated point, kind of emerges, like pokes its head out, where it's like, I guess what Joe is supposed to be learning here is that it's like, oh, like I guess like what he wanted the whole time is to like make more money for his family. And he like felt inadequate because of it. Right, um, right. And so he said, Brandy, I have money. And she's like, oh, I don't care about, I don't care about material things. Like, I just like people help, like people are kind of my dog or whatever. Uh, and uh, then Patrick Warburton shows up again in a dual role as an angel. And he's going to show him like what happened uh, in Silvertown. Again, with the fucking Back to the Future reference. It's just Back to the Future part two. Um, where you see like, oh, like uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, uh, from the band Sugar Ray is uh, like now, uh, like he's in like this mansion, like Silvertown is like all like, you know, it's a wasteland of crime and gangs and what have you. And uh, there's like a big party going on uh, at Brandy's, uh, at Brandy and Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray's place. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Joe goes in there uh, and he, uh <laughs> I do like that. I do like that at a certain point in one of these scenes, uh, he's like, "Oh, so I just like, need to make money." And Patrick Warburton is like, "God damn it, no!" <laughs> like again, like that could that'd be a really funny joke if that had like been set up more. If that had been like the whole movie had been building to that, and he still didn't get the point. Like I just like that he's just like, "No, like how do you not see this? Like it's the most obvious thing in the world. What your lesson is here?" And he's like. Oh, should I just need to make more money for Brandy? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so uh, it turns out Brandy. So the, when he sees what's going on with Brandy, I found this scene to be really weird 
And not for the same reason that the other scenes in the movie are weird because they're like slapdash or whatever. I found this scene to be weird because it sort of seems to be implying that one thing that is a result of like her debaucherous life of, you know, debauchery and, you know, whatever, the woman on the couch next to her, like flirting pretty heavily with her. It, it was what that seemed like to me. She's like talking about how sexy she is and like getting all like closer to her and stuff. And I was like, are they like implying that like, I don't know. It's like in like Bohemian Rhapsody when like, Oh, like the only time you see like Freddie Mercury with like a man until the very end is like, Oh, it's supposed to be like, that's a sign of like his life spinning out of control. Is it like, he's like with men at like parties and things. And I was just like that. I might be reading too much into that, but like, it just felt like a very, I was like, I don't know what is being, what they're attempting to convey here. Like, I think it's just sloppiness on the movie's part. Um, but it gave me a weird vibe. Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, turns out, you know, Joe Dirt mentions their, their kids' names and she's like, those are beautiful names. We really have connection, Joe Dirt. And um, he's like, you know, like, oh yeah, like that's a, you know, that's what you always used to say, Brandy. And then, uh, yeah, Patrick, Patrick Warburton and the woman, the first woman from the bench uh, at the beginning. Turns out she's like an angel or whatever. And um, so this they, is like a, so this is like a, and it's a wonderful life sort of thing. Yes. Oh, right. You're actually asking. You haven't seen this part. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's like, it's, it's definitely, he literally says like, oh, I'll never get to hear that sound or whatever, like when an angel gets its wings. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so he basically like, they let him like, uh, wake up. Uh, and it was all like a dream. It was all like Wizard of Oz. Like he's back with Brandy. Like she's not with Martin McGrath from Van Sugar Ray. His kids are all there. Um, like everything, you know, everything's fine. And then he, it turns out there's a little deus ex machina thing where he is allowed to, you know, retain Brandy and also be super rich at the end. And the way that, that happens, I assume was going to be something to do with what we had seen earlier was the source of his wealth was like, I guess, like helping out Christopher Walken with like playing like sports betting or whatever, um, bookkeeping. But no. It's like he bought some comics in the 60s. <laughs> right. And like, and like, I, that, that just completely missed me. Well, um, there's a setup for that earlier in the movie. Did you, did you miss that? Uh, I might have, honestly. Again, leaking like a sieve. Right. Well, like, yeah, earlier on, like when he's first back in time, you see him walking out of like a comic store with like a whole stack. Oh, wow. Like, like vintage comics, pristine condition for only 10 cents a pop. I I I gotta bury these and be rich one day or or, or something. Okay, I kind I kind of like that actually. Never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take back what I said then because I do like when a movie. You know, if I claim to look to adore, which I do, the end of that's my boy, in which yeah, in which the protagonist avoids consequences for his actions because of some tossed off bullshit they mentioned in the second scene <laughs> um like the longest shot in the universe paying off <laughs> um, it's like no i actually i actually respect that that's great um <laughs> austin you said something yeah i have something and this is I, I held this because i was like i'm not i can't remember where it is um so 
I'm sorry to jump back in time, but when I mentioned movie references, I think one of the weirdest references here, I think it's a reference. I don't know if it's a reference, um, is in that doctor scene where he's like showing him how he got his testicles knocked up into his body. He shows him a video. That video he shows is a man punching him in the stomach. <laughs> that same guy is in Ocean's Eleven because he punches Danny Ocean in the stomach to like fake that he's like been beaten up. Oh, like he's one of the goons, right? Yeah, right. it's like the same guy. It's like the same punch. And I'm like, is that the same scene? And they just edited him in? Or is it just they got the same guy to do the same action? It is It is strange to me because I saw yes. that guy and I was like, why is he like look so familiar? Look back. He's, he's credited here as Giant Man, but he is in Ocean's Eleven as Bruiser. He's in Ocean's Thirteen as Bruiser. I had to mention that. So weird. Just had to call it out. That is very strange. Um, I so I have I have to say um, there's a they they completely do not revisit at least at the very end they do not revisit the the Dennis Miller talking to the like rednecks at the gas station thing. But I will say that the last bit that you see uh, I think it's the last bit. Correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, but the last bit you see, uh, Dennis, Dennis Miller, they come back to him, they come back to him, like, uh, you know, maybe 80% of the way through the movie, and Dennis Miller's sitting there, like, and he calls, that he kind of, like, they have a few lines of dialogue, and he calls the two rednecks Starsky and Putz, <laughs> and they all laugh for a second, they all just go like, ah! <laughs> and then the idiot goes, I had a cousin named Randy and the laughter just kind of dies off. And there's just like a shot. Like it's like shot of the idiot shot of the other guy shot of Dennis Miller. And they're all just kind of staring in the distance, like not knowing what to say. And they just cut away from the scene. <laughs> that's that felt like something I would do in my like high school. Some of the stuff I do in my like high school's AV club, just like weird random shit to like amuse myself. <laughs> Where like I filmed a candidate like for student councils like ad, and I had like we didn't know how to start the video, so I just had him like go to a potted plant in the corner of the room and just like be brushing the dirt with his fingers and then look up and go, oh, hi, I didn't see you there. Um, <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't know, like people will be like, what the fuck's going on here? And there's like, just like that weird bit where it's like, they're all laughing at these. It's like, I had a cousin named Randy once, just total non sequitur. And they all just like, hey. <laughs> That's the end of their little section of the movie. Oh, good, good on you, Fred Wolf. I respect it. I respect it. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know, man. That's the fucking that's that's Joe Dirt too. That's Joe Dirt too. Beautiful loser. Um, he gets back with Brandy. Um, they, his kids love him. Um, I guess uh, Patrick Warburton gets his wings. Um, Mark McGrath from Band Sugar Ray. Um, oh, incidentally, he also straight up like when he mentions there's an interminable scene that we didn't even really touch on at uh, McGrath's um, mansion in Biffle where he talks about um, a cool thing to do uh, would be to soak tampons and Tampax gets a prominent product placement here. Like shout out. Um, Like they took tampons and dipped them in liquor and would shove them up their asses. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Kevin Farley is in there. 
Kevin Farley's in there. I guess like the idea is that they'll get like really wasted really fast. Um, and uh, McGrath straight up says, I hear Mark McGrath does this all the time, which is a funny little like poking fun at himself. Like it's like, oh, like big celebrity Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray is, is, is you know, it's like allowing people to believe that he's like that one of those celebrities. But I don't know. Um, that scene goes on forever. That's where I kind of wonder if like that is the scene that is not in the original cut. Yeah, is that, like, is that the extended scene? Like, I feel like that one goes a bit too far where yeah. I'm like, I wonder if maybe they would cut that out. Yeah, it's a... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We There's end with... This, we end with this weird band scene. Didn't recognize them. Didn't know who they were. I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't Sugar Ray. That would have been a funnier joke, I think. Yeah. Other than whoever yeah, Rob, this band is. Surviving men, members of Leonard Skinner. Um, oh, you know what I thought? It's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you're watching a movie and you, if you watch as many movies as we do, I'm sure you're like doing constant, like you'll, you'll sometimes like be doing rewrites in your head or whatever as you're watching a movie. And one thing that I thought, I was like, real missed opportunity with the plane jokes in this movie and like all the like the the, the time stuff um because like look if you wanted to do like a back to the future 2 riff on joe dirt one there could be something that's like not a bad vehicle for some jokes i feel like that's a probably a pretty solid like conceptual skeleton to hang some stuff on i don't know why it didn't end up that somehow joe dirt's poop was the poop that fell from the airplane into like or like or like you know what it like it's that felt like a missed opportunity somehow like 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 for a callback and that's just about the only gag that doesn't get like an explicit like that doesn't get a callback so yeah that could have been a good one um so yeah that's that's Joder to crack that's the crackle original movie Joder to beautiful loser um I I don't really I don't know. I have. I'm having a hard time with this one because I don't. It's not good, and I wouldn't. Sorry, Brian. You probably are listening. So um, it's it's not necessarily good. Um, so I can't quite. It's not something that I'd be like. This is this is certainly not like a, you know, like one of the super maligned Sandler ones that we watch and we're like, oh no, like you're crazy. This is actually great. This is certainly not like a Grown Ups 2 or a Jack and Jill um, or anything. It's not a situation like that. Um, it's way too slapdash and, and, and lazy, uh, you know, to really reach those heights. But I don't know. Like it, it's kind of like you were saying, Chris, earlier, like I know you, you weren't even really trying to make an excuse for it, but it's like, you know, if this movie had come out on Netflix last week, not that it would have gotten good reviews, but it would have been like, yeah, that tracks like, sure. Because like, just like the sense of like, you know, I, cause I did attempt to watch this movie. This was pre podcast years. So I don't know like where I, I was, I was like slowly coming back to the Sandler fold as like a, like someone who wasn't ashamed to like say that um, this is my first Vulcan year when this movie came out. And um, I did try to watch this movie when it came out on Crackle like I was enough of a fan of Joe Dirt One that I was like day one tried to watch this, and I remember thinking like I couldn't like Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I, like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't get through it. And this time, I, I, I mean, obviously, I had to watch it for the podcast episode, but like it, I didn't have that 
problem. I didn't have that like, oh, sweet Christ. Like, like this is excruciating. Like even when like for most of it, I was like, this is not a movie. Like this is like they barely they barely had a movie here for for something that is nearly two hours long. Like like they they like it, it truly felt like the paycheck, like like the budget, like they got a green light and started shooting the next day. Um, but from my from my end, I'm kind of just like. Uh, it's it's the uh, it's it's the what's it called uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing. It's mostly harmless. I'm just like, yeah, fine. Like it's it's kind of just an asterisk to the first movie in terms of its existence. Um, I would not. I'm not going to be a person who's like, you got to go track down Joe Dirt too. Um, right. That's one you got to see. Like I'll, I'll always be out there being like, you haven't seen that's my boy. Watch that's my boy. Um, but like, um, yes, grandma, I can find you the streaming service. Um, but uh, to watch that's my boy. But Joe Dirt 2, I don't know. It's 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 whatever. It's like I own the Blu-ray. I'm not mad about it for three dollars. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Um, but you know, I'll say this. I don't know what the rights are. I don't know what the rights are like. I don't know what Sony is doing in the TV space these days. Because incidentally, we didn't even mention, this is Happy Madison TV, the only time I've seen that label. So this wasn't even like... Right. Happy Madison, that's another way it feels like this weird loss. Happy Madison, you know, they're a real producer. They have their theatrical logo on Ridiculous Six and everything up through like today. But having Madison TV, just the most generic logo you've ever seen, like pops up for this. Um, I don't know. It's uh, if they, if whatever the rights are like, if someone somewhere was able to greenlight a Joe Dirt three later, I wouldn't be like, oh god, oh god, kill it with fire. I'd be like, sure, I'll watch it. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys, what are, what are y'all's uh, final, final Joe Dirt two? Um, I'm so sorry, a crackle original movie, Joe Dirt two, a beautiful loser. Thoughts. I mean, honestly, it was it was rough going for me, but uh, um, I will, you know, give a, you know, tip of my hat to all the walk-in stuff, which you know, you know, he can, you know, he 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 can find hilarious poetry anywhere, um, and um, I did enjoy just the, you know, a, a, again, you know, I'm just finding little bits of fun where I can, but you know, just straight little jokes that we talked about. I enjoyed just kind of the the sweet absurdity of the Leonard Skinner um, scene and like the horrified look on Spade's face when like the, when like the band members are like, Oh wow, we'll be so rich and successful. We could buy our own plane. And then he just immediately just like runs out of the studio. <laughs> like, Oh no. Uh, so yeah. Um, I had a few moments here, but mostly I was just, just, you know, I don't know, swinging a miss on, on, on this one. I thought it, it, even in the, the generous curve, we sometimes give the slapdash, side happy madison projects this one feels particularly thrown together um so yeah um if you're a true true blue uh red-blooded joe dirt fan i wish you well on your joe dirt to a crack original joe dirt to a uh, joe dirt to beautiful loser journey but uh you know go in with uh go in with generosity <laughs> yeah i and i'm on that fence where it's like it was it was never. I mean, it was. It was. It never ascended to to true greatness, um, but it was. It was always kind of like something I could watch, and I think it's because I knew the character, um, and it was 
kind of just harmless in the end, um, but nothing super memorable. I mean, in the end, the whole film felt like it was, they were given a deadline of like, you need to write the script in, in a night. Here's a bottle of Jack Daniels and $5,000. Like it just felt like it was done like pretty like quick and fast and just never really connected. But I don't know. It's just kind of like, it was, it's fine. Um, it, I think back to that point of like, if it was to come out in this day and age, it would be common and not that strange. Uh, I mean, like we just had, Hocus Pocus 2 out like a month ago, which feels like the same kind of um, like feeling of like basically just trying to find what what content makes your streaming platform. I mean, that, that, that's the whole impetus that's being created, right? It was that Crackle saw that people were talking about Joe Dirt and said, we could make that. And they went with, went for it. So I don't know. It doesn't really have anything that's like super memorable. Nothing really too bad either um but i mean i'll take that back uh <laughs> it it it's nothing it's not like it's like it ruined my day i will say um having a runtime of an hour and 50 minutes for something like this it should have been like a clean like 85 and it would have been would have been pretty pretty doable and yes. pretty uh I don't know. I think it would have worked a lot better. Um, always go shorter. And I think there's just, yeah, there's a, the parts in here where it just kind of drags on and you don't know where it's going. You don't know why it's doing what it's doing. Um, yeah. I think you could cut this down, make it an 80 minute movie, play it on comedy central. I would maybe keep my TV on for it. I, I, I just, it is, you just sparked my imagination there, Austin, because I, I, you know, um, you know, I've been talking about how like there, like there are moments that genuinely made me laugh, and there are like elements in here that I think if they had been like utilized a little bit better or a little bit more, you know, you could have had something. Um, and that, it's it's like, what if like what if one of us? Obviously, this is not going to happen. But what it? But maybe. Um, but like, what if like one of us like like the way like Steven Soderbergh like re-edited like like. Offer, offered to re-edit like the canyons for Paul Schrader. It's like, what if like I'm just like imagining like if I was like I, I mean I haven't like I haven't edited anything in like a professional editing suite in a long time, but it's like the idea of like tinkering with like is there a cut of Joe Dirt too that would be like good or at least good in the way that like I understand these movies to be good? Like, could I like make an 80 minute cut of this that would like flow and play? And it's like. I'm not sure that you could, but like, there's there's a part of me that's like, there'd be an interesting experiment if someone had a, an extremely specific set of technical knowledge and far too much free time uh, to do something that would ultimately benefit nobody. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, like that that is like an interesting thought experiment of like, you know, I because I, I I feel like what I'm walking away from this movie with is like if there had just been one more pass somewhere. In like the if there was a right you know the writing stage which presumably happened at some point you know the writing stage or the editing stage or something it's like if you would just like given it you know i won't make the joke you just take one more crack at it i think that there there could have been you know there's stuff in here that i think if you had you know the popcorn scene it's like just like i feel like you just tighten some cuts up here and there and that's like a funnier scene if like you play up some of those play those reaction scenes in different orders or something like that um anyways a little technical talk um 
but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's, it's fine. But yeah, it is wild how nowadays, you know, back then it was just like, LOL, you know, look at this shitty made for TV Joe Dirt movie that's premiering on Crackle of all places. Ha ha ha. Like, of course it's heinous garbage. And now it is like, I mean, I don't think people would like necessarily like it all that much more now, but now it, it is totally just like, yeah, like Hocus Pocus 2 exists. Like these things are not expected to be good. They're expected to like hit, they're expected to like remind you of that thing you like and just sort of like, you know, check off some boxes. Then you get a Top Gun and it's like, oh, wow. Well, that played in theaters, sir. Yeah, yeah that, that is true. <laughs> Um, well, uh, yeah, so I think that probably does us for uh, a practical original movie, Jared Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser. Um, what do we have next? We, so we've done we've done The Farleys, we've done Joe Dirt, we've done Dickie Roberts, former child star. Uh, we've now done Joe Dirt 2. We got a pretty long, well, no, I mean, seven years, five years, but The Wrong Missy, I believe, is the, is the next one. Um, the Father of the Year? Oh, wait. Yes, Father of the Year. So we'll do that's like 2018, I think. So we'll do Father of the Year, which I've never seen, know nothing about. Never seen um, it. Father of the Year. And then uh we'll do Wrong Missy. And then, you know, we'll be talking about like we'll like not, not making any announcements quite yet, official announcements quite yet, but um yeah, we'll we'll figure out who to like move on to next. Like maybe Kevin James. Um, there might be some like Chris Rock material that we could cover. Um, I mean, we're a hundred percent going to cover Kevin James, um, at some point, but, um, you know, we also have like, and we, you know, we have these pal like, these things we can use as palate cleansers somewhere like strange wilderness, which Brian Connolly has requested to be on. Yes. Um, at, or Bucky Larson born to be a star. Um, you know, so we, you know, the important thing is, you know, for all of you out there is we have more sweet, sweet, uh, happy madison content coming at you uh in the in the near future and we won't be uh, we won't be away even with the holidays coming up we won't be away as long we had a long shocktober hangover um you know through november so we won't be uh you know uh, it won't take us as long to record another one i don't think um but yeah it's always a pleasure gentlemen uh, anyone any any last thoughts any any um you know final joe dirt two I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to the wrong Missy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to Father of the Year. I I think the team there is in, interesting. I, I forget. It's it's not Nicholas Goosen, but it's uh, someone someone of note. Uh, Tyler Spindle, who went on to direct The Wrong Missy, is the director of that. So uh, I'm curious to see how that one is. Sweet. Um... Oh yeah, we got Jackie Sandler in that one. Pretty prominent role. That's cool. Um, well, sweet. So uh, I think that's going to do us for this episode. Uh, thank you so much uh, for listening, uh, everyone out there. Um, hope you're all doing well out there in podcast land. Um, and we will be back before you know it. Um, so as always, I am Wilson Smith. This was Chris Giles. And Austin Cole. And this was the Billy Gilmore Podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.